Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Life, Money, Hope, Part 3. So glad you're here. Um, If you have not been here for this series, it would be really, really important for you to be able to catch up, whether online. Uh, We're actually on, like, I think we load up all of our sermons to YouTube even now. Some of you can check them on our website. There's a YouTube page. There's a podcast if you do the the gym thing and you listen to sermons. How many listen to sermons while you do the gym thing? Anybody know? All right, get to the gym. Uh, so that you can listen to the podcast. Um, Hey, get caught up though, because the first two uh, messages really set the tone. But uh, today what I want to talk to you about is very, very personal to me. And um, there's a reluctancy inside of church. I'll give you an example. Um, When I grew up as a kid... I grew up in this uh, little Southern Baptist church in South Carolina, and, and every year they had a month in the Baptist church called Stewardship Month. And, and my dad was so funny, is, is my dad would kind of gripe and complain a little bit, like, oh yeah, got to go to church, it's Stewardship Month, you know what they're going to do, they're going to ask me to give more money. And um, so, so I know that there's this kind of reluctancy many times because of maybe the way you were raised or what other preachers have said in the past or how people have taken advantage or abused this idea of giving and generosity in the church. But here's what I need you to do. Just for the next few moments, I just want you to give me the benefit of the doubt and just hear me out. And because I want to tackle this subject that many people find uncomfortable. Because when I talk to you about getting debt free and how God wants you to be free financially, you're like, yeah, I, yeah. Or when I talk to you about just a different way to think about your finances, you're on board with that. But then when I get into this element, there's, there's a reluctancy and a drawback or a pullback. And I want you just to roll with me because there is no second offering at the end of the day. You can put your checkbook away. There's nothing else. And what my, my goal here today is this, is just to get you to see this thing called giving in a totally different way. That's my hope and that's my goal. And then at the end of it, I'll let God do in your heart whatever he wants to do in your heart. Can we pray this morning? So, Father, we pray, God, that as we open up your scriptures, as we look into these, uh, these holy words, that, God, you would speak to us, maybe challenge us, maybe change us, Lord God. Have your way in this place. But above all, God, help us to grow closer and closer to you, Lord. That is our prayer in Jesus' name. And we all said... I mean, hey, if you have your Bible, go to Malachi chapter 3 for me. And I want to tell you again, I'm going to start a little bit and tell you about why I do this thing called giving and why I believe in giving. And, and uh, here's my story. I became a Christian and a Christ follower pretty much right around the age of 16, 17. I had um, been raised in church, but it never was like anything relevant or important to me. It was just something my parents made me do. And when I was right, right before I turned 17, I had this very unique personal experience with God where I invited God into my life to change me, to help me, to save me. I just knew something was wrong, something was missing, and God was the only solution. And, and God intervened in my life from that day forward. And, and from that day forward, I just pursued God with my life as wholeheartedly as I possibly could. I mean, with reckless abandon, I was full full on for Jesus. That's the best way you can describe it. But when I got 20, I was in Bible college and somebody introduced me to this idea that was kind of foreign to me. It was called tithing. And they began to like lay out the scriptures for me. And I was one of these guys that if you just said, God wants you to do this, I'm like, all right, then I'm in. I'm down. If that's what the Bible says, if that's what the Bible teaches, I'm in. It was never, ever a thought to me. And from that day forward, I just began tithing. Now, this is what tithing is. Tithing is a ancient practice of giving the first 10% of all of your increase to God. 
And that's, that's where it comes from. And so this was something that started with the Jewish people. It goes all the way back into the book of Genesis. And we find this interesting dynamic in the book of Malachi where people had lost their way with God, weren't worshiping God. And in particular, they didn't honor God with their finances at all. And this is how God challenges them. Malachi chapter 3. Now, the way the book of Malachi works is this. Because the people are away from God, the first chapter of Malachi is basically return to God in your faith. The second chapter is return to God in your family. The third chapter is return to God in your finances. And then the fourth chapter is God returning to you. So this is Malachi chapter 3. He's challenging them. He says this in verse number 6. He says, I am the Lord. I do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, or the people of Israel, therefore you're not destroyed. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees. Everybody say decrees. That sounds fancy. Decrees or ordinances, another translation would have it. And you have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But then you ask, how are we to return? Verse 8, he answers a question with a question, which is not always fun. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. And then you ask, how do we rob you? And the answer is, in tithes. And offerings. Therefore, you are under a curse, the whole nation of because the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Now, here's what happened. When I'm 20 years old, somebody introduced me the idea that the tithe was God's, and that if I didn't tithe the God, that I was robbing God. And how many of you know, as a as a as a new young believer, that sounds terrible, right? Like I don't want to rob God. There's certain people in life you don't rob. You know what I mean? Like Robin Hood robbed rich people. I mean. Eh. But you don't rob little old ladies. You don't rob the nun or the priest. You don't rob certain people, right? I'm messing with you. You shouldn't rob anybody, right? (laughs) But if you're not going to rob anybody, you would especially never want to rob who? God. That just seems like a terrible idea. Because most, especially if you grew up Catholic, you believe that God's going to get you. You already believe that anyway. If you grew up under maybe a hard Pentecostal preaching, you believe God's going to smite you. You believe that God has a big beard, thunderbolts. He's like a Zeus character. And he's got thunderbolts in his hand and he will smote you if you, you know, so you don't want to rob God is my point. And so again, from an early on uh, standpoint, I just believe, man, I don't, I don't want to rob God ever. And so I want to honor God with tithing. And so when I was 20 years old, I started tithing. Now, here's what I recognize about tithing. And again, I hope this is okay. I'm just trying to share my personal journey with you. I'm going to teach you some things from the Bible. Is that I, I recognize that when I started when I was 20 years old tithing, that it's really, really easy to start tithing then because you're broke. Right? Am I the only one that was broke when they were 20? Okay, maybe y'all were trust fund kids. I don't know what y'all were. I, was, I, was, I didn't have any money. You know, I made very little money. As a matter of fact, if you know my story, I started out working in church, uh, church life because that was my heart and passion. And I started out as an intern. I wasn't a, a, a full-blown staff member. I was an intern. And I made $200 per month. <laughs> per month. <laughs> not, not, not a week. <laughs> Some of y'all make 200 an hour. I made 200 a month, okay? So anyway, I was, so when you're tithing, you know, how much is a 10% off of $200? Yeah, it ain't hard to give up a 20 spot. You know what I'm talking about? Um, 
So, so my point was, I started this, and so now I'll talk to people about tithing, and the, 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 some of the reluctancy about tithing now is, is, oh, dear God, do you know how much money I make? Do you know how much money that would be? Oh, my gosh. And so for me, it's never an issue because I started doing it when I was 20. So every time I got an increase and got a new pay and got a new whatever, it didn't matter to me. I had built my life living off of 90% of my income, so like... Every raise was still a raise, you know? It wasn't like I'm losing any money. I'm just able to give more, but I'm always living off of 90% of my income. And so I talk to people now and they're like, because here's, here's where, and if you were in the last two messages, this would make more sense. But most of us so live up to living up against our means that we have no margin. So the idea of giving 10% wouldn't even be realistic. Where would that even come from? Because, and then others of us, we don't even live up to our means. We, we take other people's means um, through credit. And so we're, we're so far beyond our means that we're borrowing money and leveraging our future. And so anyway, my point is, is that there's this idea called tithing. And for me, I bought into it. And it began with this simple idea of I never want to offend God and I never want to rob God. Now, I didn't understand why that would offend God because why would God really ever need my money. Because doesn't that seem absurd? Let me ask you this question. Do you think God really needs your money? Do you think God's broke? Do you think God needs a handout? No. So why would God ever want my money? What would be the point of that? And why would it ever offend God? Now, I didn't know the answer to that. I just knew I didn't want to offend God. And so I chose at the age of 20 to start tithing. And so this is now my journey from this point forward is starting to understand why tithing is actually a legitimate deal, why it's a big deal, and why to this day it's something I still absolutely do practice and believe in. And here's what I want to show you this morning is this. Is number one is this, is that the tithe is first. This was the, the like really, really big step for me in understanding why tithing was a big deal, is that the tithe is first. I just thought in the early days that tithing was 10th, and tithing therefore just meant 10%. So I just assumed that if I make this, then 10% of that's God's. And then I realized, oh, it's not a 10%, it's the first 10%. It, it, it was very, very specific. And then I realized why. And here's, so if you kick back against tithing, it's more than likely that you don't know this right here that I can't wait to share with you. Look at this in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 13, they had a thing where they were, they were creating this, this practice and this pattern and this decree. And this is what it says. He goes, I want you, this is in the law of Moses, to consecrate every firstborn male. I would say firstborn. So this idea of first is I want you to consecrate every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites. It belongs to me. This was God speaking, whether human or animal. You are to give over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb. All the firstborn males of your livestock belong to the Lord. Redeem them. This is interesting. Redeem them with a lamb, every firstborn donkey. But if you do not redeem it, break its next and redeem every firstborn among your sons. So what he says is this, he goes, every firstborn I want you to sacrifice, and then if it's, he gets into like clean and unclean animals, because a donkey, is a donkey clean or unclean? Y'all don't know. Oh, it's unclean, right? They had certain animals that were clean animals that they would eat, and they had certain, un- this is what being kosher is, this is certain, that's why they don't eat pork, which, thank God that got lifted, right? You know what I'm saying? So, I love some bacon. Uh, but they had clean animals and unclean animals. And so what they would do is this, is if you were the firstborn of a clean animal, it would, the firstborn would be sacrificed. And so it wasn't like this. It wasn't like if you were like a rancher 
and you had a, a flock that was about to give birth in the springtime or whatever it was, it wasn't that you would go and like, all right, we got, we got 10 of them. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight. All right, that one's, that one's the Lord's. That's not how you would do it. You would take the very first one before the nine ever even came and you would say, bam, that's God's, that's his. And what you were doing was is that you were putting God first even before the rest ever even came in. This was the idea. And if you were an unclean animal, you wouldn't sacrifice it, but you would redeem it with a clean animal. So you would redeem it if it was clean, right? Or you would sacrifice if it was clean, but you would redeem it if it was unclean. I want you to track with me real quick here. Um, are you clean or unclean? You're, you're unclean. Now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming you're fresh and you took a shower at some point recently. It's a, but but in, in a biblical sense, you're unclean is what, what we would refer to that as. And unclean, let me ask you this. Were you born sinful? Yes. Y'all are, okay, let's make more sense. How many of our parents, raise your hand real quick here. How many of you had to teach your children to be bad? So did they come into this world sinful or, or holy? Now, some of y'all might think your little angel's holy, but they're not. Um, they're, they're just sinful like everybody else. And some of them clearly are more sinful than the others. I don't know why that is. That don't make no sense to me, but some of them are come out crazy. And so... <laughs> and so my, my point is, is that we are all born sinful. So we are therefore all unclean. And so remember, you would sacrifice the clean, but you would redeem the unclean with a clean animal. Now let me ask you a question. Was Jesus clean or unclean? He was clean. He was born holy. He was born, of birth, born perfect. And he was what? Sacrificed. Because the clean was sacrificed, but the unclean was redeemed. I, I want you to get this picture. It's a picture of what's about to happen in the future to come. Because Jesus was God's tithe. In the New Testament, he's referred to as the firstborn among many brethren. He's referred to as God's firstfruits. Why? He was the clean that was sacrificed to redeem the... The whole reason that the tithe becomes important is because it's what God's doing in the earth. And it's this symbol of how God is using the clean to redeem the unclean. And it's this idea that Jesus was God's first. Who was the firstborn son of God? Jesus was. And so Jesus was actually sacrificed so that you could be redeemed. That's what the tithe is all built on. And so anyway, this is the idea that God expects. Uh, if, if God's going to give his, his first and his best, he invites you to this relationship. He says, I want you to trust me. And in so doing, I want you to give your first and your best. And so I ask you to give me the first 10% of all your increase. As a matter of fact, many people don't understand this about the story of Cain and Abel. In Genesis 4, there's this weird story about two kids. And one is a rancher, and he brings the firstborn of his flock, and another one is a farmer. And it says this very, very specifically. It says that the farmer, in the process of time, came and just brought an offering. But God rejected it. But Abel brought the firstborn of his flock, and God received it. Which sounds weird because it makes it appear that God likes steak, but he does not like vegetables. Can I get an amen that that would make some sense? I'm just saying it's things to think about. And that was my first glance is that, oh, well, maybe it's an animal thing. That was, no, it's not that. It's, that. it's that Abel brought the first, remember say first. He brought the firstborn of his flock. Cain didn't. It said that in the process of time, meaning when he got around to it, when he felt like it, he chose what he would want to give, and he did it how he wanted to and when he wanted to, which is interesting because that's how many of us just think about giving. We're like, well, I'll give what I want, when I want, when I get around to it, or however much I feel. And God's like, no, 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 because it actually says, God challenges him later and says, why are you so upset if you would just do what is right? 
Which means this. They had been taught, and it doesn't say how or when, but they had been taught what is right. They knew what they were supposed to give and when they were supposed to give it. And Cain just decided, I'll do what I want when I want. I'm in control of my own finances. I'll do what I'll give you whatever I want, God. But Abel didn't. He had been taught and he knew that the first belonged to God. So the principle of first is not something that's just in, in the book of Exodus. It goes all the way back to the very beginning, the very first family, all the way back in Genesis chapter 4. So the tithe is first. Number two is this. I want to give you this one too. The tithe is a test. Now tithe means tenth, right? Ten percent. Everybody say ten. All right, you're going to need to like buy into this whole thing by saying 10 here because I'm going to get you to like... So everybody say 10. The number 10 in like biblical numerology, when you look all through the Bible, the number 10 is always referred to as a, a test. Does that make sense? And you'll find this is that there is a test. Every time you have increase, there's a test going on. Now, how many like tests? Okay, we'll pray for you later. So... How many of you remember being in school and your teacher would be like, all right, everybody, put your books away. We're going to do a pop, pop quiz. How many of your heart would sink? You know what I mean? Like, ah. And, and so you hated the idea of taking a test and nobody likes a pop test. This is not a pop test. He tells you this. This is the test. Every time you receive income, it's just a test to see who will you honor first. What will you do with it first? Who will you acknowledge first? Who will you thank first? Who will you entrust first? And so the tithe is just this test. And all throughout scripture, the tenth or ten is a number of testing. I'll give you an example. How many plagues were there that came upon the land of Egypt? All right, let's do it, let's do it together. Everybody say ten. Because some of you are like, I don't know the Bible that well. Is he going to? All right, how many, so how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? How many commandments are there? Okay, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? How many times did God test Jacob? How many days was Daniel tested just in the first chapter of Daniel alone? Ten. How many virgins were there to see who would get in the kingdom of God? Again, how many times in the book of Revelation, there's two times that there were ten days of testing. And so everybody say ten. How many disciples were there? Okay, good. So somebody's paying attention to me. I had, to, I had to throw one in there just to mess with you. And so 10 is the number of testing. It's just the number to say, will you trust me? It is a test. As a matter of fact, the way you see this played out is, look, think about Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. God gives them everything except for one thing. And he goes, this one's mine. That's what he says. He goes, I'm going to give you everything. You have everything you want, but this one's mine. This, this is not yours. Everything else is yours, but this one is mine. And it was a test, right? It, wasn't, it was an environment to see if they would obey God and honor God or not. And of course, eventually they failed the test. When you look at the Israelites, when they go into the land of Canaan to take back their land, the first city that they come against is a land called, or a city called Jericho. Now, there were a bunch of other cities to follow, but Jericho was the first. And God said something really interesting. He said, when you go into Jericho, don't touch the spoils. You can't take anything. After that, you take everything you want. But this first one, don't take any of it. And then, of course, some jackleg decided no one's looking around. And I'm going to go steal and take some of the spoils. They get to the next city and they get their, their butt handed to them in battle and in war. And they're like, whoa, God, we, you, you said you were with us. He goes, yeah, but I told you not to touch what was mine. The first was holy. It was mine. And I told you not to touch it. And so because of that, and so literally they had this whole thing where so everybody had to come clean and come honest and repent and some people died. It was all bad because simply they just dishonored and disobeyed God. So the tithe is a test to say, okay, I've got increase. Whom will I honor first? Here's another one. The tithe not only is a test, the tithe is, everybody say holy. 
Holy just means different or separated. Like the tithe is different. Listen to the book of Leviticus real quick here. Leviticus says it real clear. It says all the tithe. Everybody say all. All the tithe of the land, whether the seed of the land or the fruit of the tree, it is whose? The Lord's. Here's what I want to get you to see. So like when you read the book of Malachi and it says bring the tithes into the storehouse, when you hear the word tithe, it never says give your tithe. Do you know why you can't give your tithe? Because it ain't yours. Have you ever had somebody that borrowed something from you? And then all of a sudden later they're like, hey, I'd like to give this to you. Like you ain't giving jack. That's mine. And you should have brought it back already by now. Like I got some like, like the girl in here loaned me some Big Bang Theory that I've had for way too long. Big Bang Theory is very funny, by the way. Um, and, and so can you imagine me going up and be like, here, I'd like to give these to you. She would look at me weird. Why? Because they're hers. They're not mine. So the tithe, according to scripture, is that yours? Okay, y'all are so nervous out there. The tithe, whose is the tithe? It's God's. So the 90% is yours. Actually, let, let's be real. It's all his. It's, it's the reality of it. It's all his. He just says, 10% is mine. I'm going to give you 90% do whatever you want with it and be a good steward of it. And so this is where God gets the idea that the tithe is holy. It's different. It's separated. And it's not yours. It's his. That's why he said, you are robbing me. Why? Because if it's mine as a gift to give, then I'm not robbing anybody. But if it's his and I'm tested to see if I will return it to him, I can actually rob somebody. It's holy. It's just different. I'm just telling you the journey and my experience and why this tithing thing is actually legitimate and important. Here, here's another one. Not only the tithe is holy, the tithe is biblical. Because then I hit a point in my life where I'm like, okay, tithing, this is first. This is Jesus and first fruits. And this is a big deal. It's holy. It's God. And then somebody came along and said, well, Todd, actually, that's just Old Testament law. We don't have to do that anymore. I'm like, oh, really? I, I didn't know this. And I'm like, I'm not buying it. So so I start studying the scripture and I start searching out all that the Bible has to say. And you know what I find is this, is that the tithe is in the Old Testament. But to say that just because it's in the Old Testament that we don't do it anymore is kind of dumb. Remember that whole thou shalt not murder thing? That's Old Testament. I mean, we kept that. You know, that whole like, don't commit adultery. We kept that. You know, the the only thing we didn't keep was was their sacrificial system for our sins. So on the day of atonement, we don't kill little, little cute quadrupeds. We, Jesus died for us, but that, that's the sacrificial system. So the tithe, and the tithe isn't a law. This isn't like you're going to, this isn't like heaven and hell's in the balance. No, no, this is the principle. And really what you find is this, and we'll see this in just a second, is that the tithe is God's blueprint for your financial blessing. But the tithe is a principle that unlocks so many things in your life, but the tithe is biblical. So for example, Cain and Abel were giving first fruits. Back in Genesis 4, I don't even know how long that was before. I can't do the math on that. Before Moses came along, instituted a law for a specific nation. Go back before that. Hundreds of years, 500 years before Moses came along, there was a guy named Abraham who gave tithes. 400 years before the law of Moses, there was a guy named Jacob, and he gave tithes. When you go to the book of Proverbs, which is Solomon, just explaining the the principles of life and how life works in the earth, he talks about bring your first fruits to the Lord so that God may give you increase. So all of this stuff is not just Old Testament or just law. As a matter of fact, how many of you would think, well, does Jesus support tithing? Because, you know, most of us, if Jesus said it, we would do it, right? And that's just how we roll. We're Jesus-focused. So if Jesus said it, we do it. Watch this. Some of y'all don't think this is in the Bible. 
Matthew chapter 23, verse 23 says this. Jesus is giving a big rebuke to the religious leaders who are hypocrites. He basically, these people get up on his nerves. They infuriate him because they're making it hard for people just to come and worship God. And they make it, they basically made a racket out of everything and milking people for their money. And Jesus is furious. And so he goes off on him. He calls them, you know, brood of vipers and snakes and you dirty, no good, rotten, scoundrel people. And so Listen to this, though. He goes, woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. He said, you tithe mint and dill and, is it cumin? Cumin? I asked my wife what that stuff was. It's, um, yeah, it's like spices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what that is. I just eat food. I don't know what's in it. And so... He says, you tithe all this stuff in your personal garden, and yet you've neglected the weightier matters of the law. Stuff like justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. So Jesus brings up the issue of tithing, and he says, you guys are fanatics. Like, I mean, everybody should tithe. That's good. You guys are going up in your herb garden and taking out 10% of your herbs and bringing that to the house of God. Just so you know, I don't want your herbs. Any kind of your herbs. I don't. You should check what kind of herbs you have. But I don't. We're not like that. But he's saying you people are religiously fanatical to the point you're tithing off of your spice garden. You know what your real problem though is? Is you actually forgot how to just treat people right. And so his point is, is you ought to be tithing. But if you're tithing and you treat people like garbage, you've completely missed the point. That if you can't love people, care for people, have compassion and mercy for people, but yet you think tithing off your spice garden is what makes you so holy, you have so missed the point. But look at what he says, though. He goes, these things you ought to have done without neglecting the others, which means this. You, you do both. You don't throw out tithing because it's, it's Old Testament, and you never throw out how you treat other people. It all matters. And so Jesus is saying that this is a biblical. When you get in the New Testament, the, 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 the apostle Paul talks about giving as according to your increase. Think about this. The tithe is a 10%. Giving in percentage or in accordance to your increase is basically what a percentage giving is, isn't it? Because if you, whether you make $30,000 or $300,000 a year, it's it's a percent. You're always moving with how God blesses you and gives you increase. And so anyway, the tithe is biblical. Uh, here's one, number five, the, the tithe is blessing. It, it, this is what really unlocks the blessing. We talked about this probably a couple months ago, that right after this whole thing about robbing God, he says this. He says, don't rob God, actually bring the tithe. Everybody say bring, because you can't give. It ain't yours. But you bring the tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this. Which is crazy because earlier we said that the tithe was a test. And so God literally says, you have increased, but I'm going to test and see what you do with it. But then he says, but you can test me too. Like, and, and, and here's, I'll even, I'll even throw this out here. This is how much I believe in this because I personally do this and I personally believe in this. If you said, Todd, I think this is a bit crazy, but you know what? I know Jesus loves me and I'm willing to do whatever. And I'm willing to put God to the test. If you said, Todd, if you came to me and said, Todd, I want to try this out. Here's, what, here's the, the promise I would make to you. If you want to try this out and you say, Todd, I'll tithe for, for three months or six months. Or I Look, if you get to the end of that three months and you tell me that God hasn't done something special in your life or it hasn't been meaningful in your life, I'll give you your money back. I, I don't care. This is the test. You can test God all you want. I'll give you your money back if you want. It, it, this is not about me. I don't need a raise. The church isn't struggling. God's not broke. This is about you. Amen. 
Because God wants to do more in your life. And, and listen, if the, if the tithe is how God unlocks the blessing, this is all you need to figure out in your life. God wants to bless me. He just needs to know that I'm trustworthy with that blessing. Because we don't give stuff to our kids if we know they will wreck themselves with it, right? So if God would give you more and give you increase, and he would know that you could be a... And here's the other thing, too. This is... How are we doing time? It's eleven thirteen. if you're taking medicine right now. This is what I learned about tithing, as I learned all the other biblical principles. Is what I learned was, is that when I tithe, it really forced me to do everything else well. Think about this. If I have to live off of 90%, number one, yeah, I have to honor God first and foremost, but then I have to actually pay attention to the numbers, meaning I have to be on budget. Not only that, I have to have margin, right? Like, I have to live below my means. I have to have margin. So all the other biblical, I have to be debt-free, right? All the other biblical principles line up because I'm a tither, because it forces me into this thing. Now, I want you to think about something. Jesus said in Matthew 6, verse 33, he said this. He said, seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to you. Here's a biblical principle that I believe in, is that when God is first in your life, everything else falls into its proper order. And in every arena of your life, you'll see that. When you put God first, everything else will begin to put or be put into its proper order. And here's the other thing I've learned too. Whatever it is that you put for first in your life orders everything else. Think about people who are addicted. They have a thing that controls them. Because of the control that it has over their life, it is first. And it begins to order everything else in their life. Whatever you put first in your life, it orders everything else. And so when I put God first in my finance, it helps me order everything. Are y'all seeing that real quick? Okay, good. I'm just, I'm just talking. So, so listen to what he says. Though. He says, test me. Like, test me in this. I don't care. Roll the dice. And see if I will not do these things. These are the promises that are unlocked when you tie. I'll open up, open up the, the floodgates of heaven. I'll pour out on you so much blessing that you won't have room enough for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cost or will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then all nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land. These are the promises, the four promises of the tithe. That God will protect you, that God will give you increase, that God will help you manage all things, that, that literally you unlock the blessing of God over your life. Lastly, is this, and we'll close with this, is the tithe has a story. And this is my favorite part of the whole thing right here. The tithe is a beautiful, wonderful story. We already talked about how Jesus was God's tithe. And that's why it's so special because Jesus was the first. He was the first fruit. He was the firstborn. He was the clean that redeemed the unclean. Listen to what it says in the book of Exodus here. In the book of Exodus, this is my last, I'll close here. In the days to come, this is so brilliant. When your son asks you, what does this mean? I want you to say to him, with a mighty hand. The Lord brought us out of Egypt and out of slavery. And when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn. I say first. He killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. And this is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every woman, redeem each of my firstborn sons. What he was saying was this. He says, now what we do is strange. I want you to know that. It's counter-cultural. But, but you're not of this world. You're of a different kingdom. He said, when you take the first of your herd or the first fruits of all of your increase and you go and make that as a sacrifice to the Lord, at some point your kids are going to become aware of something. So like imagine, for example, like you're a rancher and all of a sudden, you know, that first little lamb comes in and, you're, and, and all the family gathers around. If you've ever been on a farm, you know, it's a big deal when like the, the thing gives birth to it, you know, and you're like, oh, isn't that special? Wow, look, it's brand new. He's just a baby. Oh, look, he's trying to walk. And and then dad takes a machete. Um, that's traumatizing. 
to a child, why did you just kill the little lamb? And, 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 and as a kid, you're probably thinking, why would daddy do that? But I'm not going to say nothing. Daddy just killed the lamb and he's holding a bloody machete. I'm not saying nothing. But you get older, you know, and more common sense kicks in and you're, you're, you're the son of a rancher. And then maybe, maybe you, you know, because, you know, in their day, by the time they're 10, 11, 12, they start becoming a man and they take on responsibility. And then, you know, maybe dad entrusts you with more of the ranch. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're a smart guy. And so you come to dad and you're like, dad, I, I appreciate you really, you know, giving me more of the family business. Um, I've been doing the numbers and, and everything's good. Everything's good. We're moving along pretty well here. But I've noticed that you have this thing that you do. And maybe you don't even know that you do this. I, I don't even know. But, but you have this thing where you'll take the firstborn and you just kill it. And really, that, that, that's called profit margin. What you're doing is you're, you're, cutting, into our, you're cutting into our profits. And, and what, I just was wondering, is there a reason why you do this? I want you to get this in your mind. At some point, the kid has got to come and ask, why in the world do you keep killing a little lamb every spring? And he goes, what you're going to do in that moment is you're going to sit him down and you're going to tell him this. You're going to say, son, we were once slaves in Egypt and we didn't have anything. We didn't have our own herds. We didn't have our own crops. We were slaves and we were underneath these taskmasters and we were whipped and beaten and abused and taken advantage of. But with a mighty hand, God brought us out. And now, the firstborn of all of my increase, the first fruits, the first of all my increase, that is to God, to remember what God has done for us. There's a story. Now, years ago, my son's 12 now. This is probably four or five years ago. Um, he, he used to ask me, you know, we'd be getting ready Sunday morning. He'd be like, Daddy, what are you going to preach on? And I was going to teach on, this is one of the first times I ever taught on tithing. I said, son, I'm teaching on tithing. And of course, you know, seven, eight-year-old, he's going to be like, well, what, what is that? What, what's, what's tithing? Can you explain that to me? And my mind went back to the scripture. Like it dawned on me. Like, do, 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 do. There's a time when your son will ask you, what is this and why do we do this? And you know what I told him? I said, son, there was a time where your daddy didn't know Jesus and there was a time in his life where he was lost and he had no hope and he had no life and he had no purpose and his life was on a really, really bad track and a really bad trajectory and Jesus showed up in his life and I don't know why, but God got a hold of my life and my life has been forever changed. Meaning that there was a time in my life where God intervened with a mighty hand and he redeemed me. I was unclean, but God gave up his first and his best and sacrificed his first and his best so that I might be redeemed and be made right with God. And so tithing for me is not an obligation it's just an opportunity to say thank you. It's an opportunity to say God bless you. It's an opportunity to put God first so that he might order everything else in my life. It's just something I do because of what God has done for me. I'm not doing it because I owe. Jesus has paid it all. I do it because it's an opportunity to love, to honor, to obey, to give thanks. I, I don't have to tithe. I, I get to tithe. And when I put God first, he orders everything else. And he has done so since the day I was 20 years old and began this practice of saying, God, I'm going to put you first in my life in every way that I possibly can. And so to me, the tithe is the blueprint. You want to know, you want to know how to be blessed in your finances? It starts with the tithe. Now, I want you to get debt free. That's, that's clear. I want you to be on budget and be a good steward. And there's all these principles that we've talked about in the past. I want you to think about your career as a calling. And I, 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 there's all kinds of biblical principles 
about how you think about your stuff and how you treat your finances. But I think it all starts with the tithe because the tithe is first. And it is our opportunity to begin by putting God first in all things. Let's pray this morning. So God, I pray that somehow these words and these scriptures and my little story and their story, God, would hopefully begin to challenge and change the way we think about giving. That God, we don't tithe because it's a law that says we have to or else. God, it is an opportunity to put you first because of you at some point putting us first. You gave your first, you gave your best so that we might be redeemed. God, help us to be your sons and daughters. Help us to live in your kingdom, God. Help us to to listen to your decrees and ordinances, to live by your ways, God. I pray that for every person here, God, who's tithing, that they may be so encouraged today by the thing that they are doing. And I know their testimonies, and I know the blessings that come in their life. And for those of them out there today that have never tithed before, God, I pray that you would speak to them, and God, help them, show them, give them the wisdom to know what to do and how to do it, and to start somewhere, to start now in putting you first, Lord. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv. 